Kingdom of Agrabah. It's the Movie Change-Up Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Fricky, and I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Tristan Mayer. This is our Disney Plus Weekly Review, where every week we break down kind of what's released on Disney Plus. Uh, if you haven't watched our show before, we kind of keep this more for the general audience, people that maybe have Disney Plus because of their kids, or maybe there was a show that they were interested in, but they decided maybe because of the level of content they saw or a few things they wanted to check out, they decided to keep it. And we're here to kind of tell you what you can watch and what you can avoid. Uh, we kind of break down some of our biggest, the bigger releases on Disney Plus, as well as some of the smaller ones you might not know about. Uh, Tristan, kind of what were your thoughts for this week in Disney Plus? It's been pretty good. I continue to be impress- impressed by Kami uh, Aloha. I think it's been a really good show so far. And Marvel's What If has been a bit of an up and down ride, but it's been fun the whole ride. You know, <laughs> a roller coaster has some highs and some lows, but it's been a thrill the whole time to watch. And it's been a nice little bit of a break in terms of like big high stakes things. You know, we're not getting big, huge releases, but we have a Hawkeye trailer to talk about. So we're going to have some big stuff coming up. So it's been a nice breather, but with some good stuff that I was surprised I'm liking as much as I am. Yeah, uh, yeah. this is definitely a good week, I think, for Disney+. Plus. They had a few uh, good releases, and I think next week's going to even be better. Uh, we saw a few trailers for Star Wars Visions come out, and uh, with some of the reactions that fans have been giving, I think it's going to be something fun for Star Wars fans, something new and some, something different. But we will talk about that when the time comes. But first off, let's talk about uh, the What If episode this week. It was titled, What If Killmonger Rescued Tony Stark? And if you didn't watch the episode, or if you watched on Wednesday and kind of forgotten, basically it starts kind of where the first Iron Man starts, where he's out in the Middle East, and his Humvee is attacked, but instead of being kidnapped, he is rescued by Killmonger, played by Michael B. Jordan in this episode. Uh, they didn't get Robert Downey Jr. for Tony Stark, but they did get Michael B. Jordan to play Killmonger, and it kind of kicks off his Wakandan takeover earlier than it did in Black Panther, where right in the 2008 timeline, he meets up with Tony Stark, and they basically create a robot army, Tony Stark kind of unsuspecting, and they kind of become friends, and Tony Stark promotes Killmonger within Stark Industries, and one of the lines that really kind of hit home for me uh, was given by the Watcher in this episode, and basically because of Tony Stark being saved, the man the man was saved, but the hero was lost because he doesn't become the hero we know who snaps his fingers at the end of Endgame that says, I am Iron Man, saving humanity but sacrificing himself. So, uh, Tristan, I think a light might have went out in your room. I don't know, it got real dim in there real quick, but what were your thoughts on. on this episode? Yeah, I thought this was a really good one. This was one that was in the trailers pretty prominently, uh, so I was looking forward to seeing what they do with it but we got so lost in like the multiverse and the bigger kind of doctor strange episodes and that kind of stuff that i forgot about this one so when it finally dropped this week i was like oh that's right there was a killmonger iron man episode and i was really impressed by it i think this is one of the best stories they've done so far on what if i think uh there's a couple of problems i'll get to but i want to focus on the positives at first because i do think this was one of the better episodes i thought the action was really good i thought it was really fun to see wakanda kind of in action and how that was kind of happening. What I mentioned during the one of the episodes that we went uh, did before, how it was cool to kind of see like the background story of these older movies that are like kind of happening in the background of the Phase One of Marvel Universe, and this is kind of that. Like we're seeing what Wakanda was like at this point in time, and we're seeing like General Ross and his knowledge of Wakanda. So I was really happy with this one. I thought the action was really satisfying. I thought the 
arc of between Killmonger and Tony Stark was really interesting. I thought they really made Killmonger seem like a really cold character who uh, was he he didn't get his arc either. You know, I think he has a bit of a redemption arc himself through Black Panther, at least like an emotional redemption arc, and we see him not get that arc either. So both of them are kind of like heroes who never got their chance to become a hero. So we see both of them go to like the darkest ends of their spectrum. <laughs> I love this one a lot. It's probably my favorite so far. After being disappointed last week, I'm glad this one was really good. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. These, this and the Doctor Strange one and even the uh, the first one with basically all of them really except the last one, not to crap on the last one too much, but all of the ones were kind of the core tenets of the character are changed and they just like flip flip a switch here where it's like what if this decision was made of like okay what if for some reason Killmonger decided because I feel like I feel like they never outright said it but it was kind of um kind of hinted at that maybe Killmonger was essentially the one that attacked Tony to to rescue him like maybe he got somehow involved with the ten rings or at least knew of their plot and it was maybe so much maybe he didn't attack Tony but he knew of the attack and decided to let it happen so he could be the one to uh, rescue him. But yeah, yeah, part of me, but yeah, part of me wonders how much they're gonna go back. Uh, like, if if they're trying to imply that Killmonger was involved the whole time, and like it's now canon that Killmonger was involved with the Ten Rings yeah. at that point in history. Yeah, and uh, there there are a lot of fun moments in this uh, episode, like uh, when he revealed his kind of liberator, and that was another hint of kind of what was coming when he revealed the name of his armor suit of the Liberator. Yeah, it was a great name too. I think it fit with Killmonger's character and like his, yeah. everything he stands for. Yeah. And it looks cool too. I love the comment that yeah. it was really like a Gundam, and he said, "Oh, I like anime," and yeah. it was definitely very anime. We'll talk about anime later in the episode, <laughs> so we got a nice connective tissue there. Yeah, I feel like that was definitely a line that Michael B. Jordan wanted included because he's a big anime fan himself. So. Yeah, I definitely feel like Michael B. Jordan like personally designed that Gundam. He was like, I want this to be my my Iron Man, uh, my drone my drones that fight for me. Yep. Yeah, uh, there were a few moments that I, I want to say I didn't dislike, but I feel like the small changes. Like, he has basically the same amount of scars in this episode that he has in Black Panther, and I would have liked because it takes place about eight years earlier. Around, well, I think Black Panther, even though it came out in 2016, I think it's supposed to take place in like 2014, 2015. But still, it's, you know, six, seven years later, I wish um, he had less scars. Like maybe he had scars on his chest and his arms, but like not on his stomach or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was just a small change I would have liked. And also one thing is I remember, and I believe it's Iron Man 1 or Iron Man 2, uh, when Tony Stark's working in his shop... There's a scene of him using Captain America's shield as, like, a balance. Or, like, he uses it to, like, prop something up. So when they're talking about needing more, um, oh my god, how am I? The, the vibranium. Metal, yeah, it's like, how am I blanking on this metal? When they're talking about needing more vibranium, I thought that's what they were going to do, is get that shield. But apparently, I guess, maybe they forgot about that moment, or they decided to, like, retcon it and say that that shield was fake and was, like, a replica or something. I want to say I've heard at some point they have retconned that there's something. I don't know how, (laughs) but I have heard they've come up with some excuse to say that's not the real shield, you know? Ah, okay. I mean, that makes sense, but that was just, like, my small... But, again, that's how good the episode is, when, like, oh, I wish Killmonger had less scars, and I wish they referenced this shield in a background of an Iron Man 1 or 2. I can't remember which one it is. 
It would have been a fun Easter egg to bring in, though, because people do remember that uh, that little moment. And I remember laughing at that in the theater. And uh, I remember going uh, back in the day and going on, like, old blogs and seeing, like, oh, remember this Easter egg from Iron Man 2 or whatever it was? Yeah. And it would be fun to have that that uh, throwback. But, yeah, yeah uh, like you mentioned, not a lot to t- pick apart here. I do think, like a lot of the episodes, they, there was some pacing problems here uh, just because of the length. I think this would have benefited a lot from this being a little bit longer because it got to the end and then it, it almost felt like an intermission was about to start or something because <laughs> it was like in the middle of a scene and it was like, oh, and then it's over. And I was like, oh, okay. There wasn't even like a, uh, there, I guess there was a, the watcher comes in and says, oh, and that's what the story's about. And then it kind of ends. And I was like, oh, they're definitely like trying to get through this one quick. You could even tell some of the lines. It was like they were editing as fast as they could to get through these scenes. <laughs> yeah. And I hope that going into season two, I know season two is probably well, well along at this point for animation, but uh, going into the future of the show, I hope they get kind of beyond the short lengths. Maybe for some, like I would, I would say give us like a cool action episode here and there, but also don't be afraid to give us like a 45 minute long, like heavier episode like this. Or if go full Clone Wars, give us season two, give us 12 episodes, but it's four, like three episode arcs, or maybe you mix it up and you have like two episode arcs and three episodes, you know, three. I do think arcs. it's possible that we return to some of these arcs or these storylines uh, in future seasons. Yeah. But uh, I'd be interested if this was, I mean, this would be an interesting one to return to, but at the same time, they've completed most of the arcs of the characters, so I don't really know what else they could do. Yeah, the only like continuation of this arc is Shuri and Pepper Potts working together, and I don't know if that's like a dynamic that fans are dying to see when they could do so much more interesting and different stuff, but maybe again they make it interesting in Season 2. I'm like, hey, that Shuri Pepper Potts episode that's a sequel to this one was my favorite of the season, so... This made me really excited for the future of the Black Panther franchise. Uh, it was unfortunate that, like, Ch- obviously, Chadwick Boseman's not going to be able to play Black Panther again, and it was kind of cool to see his version of Black Panther in action for a bit in this, and it was a nice nice moment to be able to see that for one last time. And I think it, the idea of Killmonger becoming Black Panther was something that's been talked about a lot. Like, is this what they're going to do to get around Chadwick Boseman? Are they going to give us a what-if Killmonger who takes on the Black Panther title and essentially go forward with the franchise as Michael B. Jordan as a lead. And this, I think, presents a possibility of that happening. You know, this it's not going to be this version of Killmonger, but I think it's a possibility that if people buy into the multiverse thing and are able to follow it enough that they do just pull out a Killmonger multiverse and throw him into Black Panther. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the idea I've been championing. It, I think it's either going to be that or Shuri. I don't think that's going to be... They, it's definitely not going to be a recast, and I don't see... Maybe they do, what is it, in, uh, I can't remember the actor's, Winston Duke's character, he was also in Us, I could see maybe like bringing him in or like bringing him over and doing I something. I do think, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think he would be one that would definitely come to the, like, he was already on their side by the end of Black Panther, you know, so I think he would be a good like co-lead essentially. Yeah. People liked him a lot. He was probably one of the favorite characters of at least like for me and a lot of the people that I know. Yeah, Definitely. Uh, and one thing I do want to reiterate, or not reiterate, but you know, bring up before we move on, is I definitely think our theory of the Watcher becoming more and more involved, and finally like becoming a full-fledged character in the finale is coming true. Because I've seen videos now where the first episode he's a silhouette, and you just see his glowing eyes, and now we're at the point where we're straight up just like seeing his face. So 
it, do, I, it does lead me to believe that we might even see Jeffrey Wright appear at some point in like one of the movies as the Watcher because they're giving us a really prominent idea of what he looks like. So I think if we see that figure show up in like Doctor Strange, they don't. I mean, they're probably not going to be like, "Oh, that's the guy from What If." But if you're a fan, you'd be like, "Oh, of course, that's also the guy from What If." <laughs> you know. Yeah. Quick question before we move on: Do you think if Stan Lee didn't die, that he would have been the voice in the of the Watcher? Because I believe he was in Guardians of the Galaxy as like an aide to the Watchers. I do think that would have been what they would go with, and I don't know if it would have been the same tone. I think he would. It wouldn't be so foreboding. I don't think Stan Lee would lead into that like yeah. everyone's doom kind of tension yeah. that uh, Jeffrey Wright kind of gave on his voice over here. I think it would be much yeah. more of like a fun kind of adventure. Like, oh, here's what Captain Carter is doing this week. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I think Jeffrey Wright's voice and tone is perfect for what they're going for, and I think it's great casting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this. I'm liking this show. I mean, it's not, it's not like an essential watch, you know. Like I like it so was far. for like Wandavision or something like that. But it's been a really fun watch, you know. It's been a nice uh, escape with these characters, and it kind of does feel like the what of comics, where we're seeing characters that in no reality would be interacting at these points in time, you know, like yeah. <laughs> in a totally different ways. And I, I'm really look. I like this one a lot more than the previous one. So I'm looking, I'm hoping that this is a, a turn in the right direction for the show. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the next episode. And I think uh, with that, that brings us to our uh, next topic, which is Doogie, Doogie Kame Aloha MD, Love is a Mystery. I was focused too much on saying Kame Aloha right that I uh, botched Doogie, but here we are. Uh, we talked so much last week about how much we loved episode one and honestly episode two perfectly equal quality we didn't get any more credence clearwater revival references and as a credence clearwater revival fan my heart hurt a little bit but i wasn't expecting any more but uh i was concerned a little bit because we had jake kasdan who directed the jumanji sequels directing the pilot that maybe there'd be a drop off in quality going into episode two but there wasn't i think we're right on the right track and if you didn't watch the episode and maybe didn't watch a previous review basically the show is a reboot of doogie hauser which starred neil patrick harris and it now stars uh new actress she was on andy mack her name was peyton elizabeth lee uh 17 year old actress uh who plays doogie who now lives uh in hawaii and she you know just like the original show, she's a young doctor. And I think this show really balances uh, Doogie's like being a kid while also being an adult and being a professional doctor. I think that's a really hard balance to have, and I think they do that very well. plot of this episode is basically this guy comes in, he was on vacation in Hawaii, and just somehow he becomes paralyzed, and he doesn't really know how, didn't really have any fall, didn't really have anything figured out. And then we have the subplot with uh, Doogie, her the guy she was hanging out with and dating and kissed in the last episode. She tries to figure out, wait, does he really like me or not? And uh, her mom, who is also her boss, while she's trying to figure out why this guy's paralyzed, be like, oh, if you're trying to figure something out, you, you go back to the basics of science or the scientific method. And that makes her realize, oh, I should do the scientific method to figure out if this guy likes me. And that just kind of, like with most shows, causes her more problems. And it just makes her more confused. And that's kind of the general plot of the episode. I don't want to spoil it, but I've talked for a while. Tristan, what do you think of Doogie Kame Aloha MD Episode 2, Love is a Mystery? 
Yeah, you mentioned that we were really impressed by the first episode, and I'm continuing to be impressed. This was just, like you said, just as good as the previous one, and it didn't have the big name director like you mentioned. But this pre this director, Erin uh, O'Malley, has worked on some good stuff previously. She did some episodes of New Girl and a couple episodes of Fresh Off the Boat, so she has some stuff that I've seen before, even if I didn't necessarily know the name. And it was like a, a really good continuation. It picked up right when the right where the previous episode left off, pretty much, and the tone continues to be exactly as good as it was the previous episode. I think it balances a good job of being uh, family-friendly enough that you can all kind of watch it and be wholesome. You're not going to offend the kids. You know, they're not going to be worried that the kids are going to see something, uh, see something, um, you know, inappropriate. But it's also mature enough to engage with themes like, you know, teenage teenagers and their actual feelings, their actual problems. And, and, that, and I think it is just being able to balance that is a really – uh, important thing for a show like this it's going for a family audience and i'm having a great time with this i'm really uh haven't just enjoying the ride uh i'm invested in some of these characters too i do i think uh steph the friend steph is one of those characters that could become like a cliche dumb best friend but i think she's not nearly she's not becoming like a flanderized character where it's like she's, she's still you know a real person and she still cares about her her friend and does what's best for her you know i mean she's not like completely clueless and I also like that she has that crush on Kame Aloha's uh, brother. And in a, in a war show, I think that would be like a really long plot where she's trying to keep it a secret because she doesn't want to offend Kame. And Kame's, uh, when she finds out in like the season finale, she's going to be so mad to how could you do this? I, he's my brother. And I like that from the first episode. She's like, oh, cool. You know, I don't get it, but cool. Like pursue my brother. That's cool. You. If you like him, that's awesome. And that's kind of a cool subversion of a plot that I thought that I'd seen a bunch of times. Yeah, and one th I like that aspect, and one of the aspects I really like is basically, well, to go back, uh, one of my problems a lot with movies right now is there really doesn't see seem to be any, like, family movies. There's kids' movies, and there's adult movies, but outside of, like, the MCU and Star Wars and these big-budget IP movies, there's not really any family movies, and this seems to be not exactly, like, a kid show or an adult show. It's a family show. You have the plot with the kids. You also have her being a doctor, which I think in a appeal to both adults and kids but you also like they don't completely ignore the parents and the parents are like full-on characters with agency like you had this small subplot of the mom realizing that the the dad is like the super romantic guy who always tries to be romantic and impress her and her kind of realizing she doesn't do the same for him and so she kind of tries to do that for him which i thought was a nice touch and kind of emphasize this being more of a family show yeah, I really like the family aspects. I think that's something that's hard to capture in some of these shows, even in like the hot, the best of TV shows. You know, even when you go to like the Mad Men's and the Breaking Bad's, it's hard to like capture an entire family worth of characters and make them interesting. And I think this show is doing a good job. They all, all the characters have their moments and they all have like their complexities. And the mom could be, could easily become the stereotypical, like really strict mom who uh, is never letting her daughter do anything she wants to do. But she has complexity to her own character. You know, you, you you empathize to her. She seems like a human being. She's not just like this oppressive parent that you might get in a kid's show. I think it's really rounded. I also yeah. wanted to mention, too, I uh, want to shout, shout out a YouTube channel called Hello from Hawaii that I watched a, a video on that uh, it's a guy who lives in Hawaii, and he essentially did, like, comparing Kame Aloha's version of Hawaii to his version of Hawaii and, like, how he feels it represents the place that he lives in. And he mentioned some of the cool Easter eggs and the details, and I think it really helped me appreciate 
uh, the attention to detail in this show. And he, he said, I can't remember the name off the top of my head now, but she mentions like, oh, me and all my friends are going out to this restaurant. Uh, might be home late or something like that. And that's like an actual restaurant chain in Hawaii that people like to go to. And it's one that teenagers hang out at a lot. So it kind of fits with the, the realism of Hawaii in the area. And there's a lot of slang that they use that fits with Hawaii. And it never feels overwhelming. Like I wasn't watching that. And like, what is he talking about? What restaurant? I figured, oh, it's just that restaurant they go to, you know. But yeah. I like the attention to detail that if you're from Hawaii or you know Hawaiian culture, that you get the extra little bit of, of spice on top of that. You know, you get the detail that makes it interesting. Yeah, it's like the Max and Saved by the Bell. You know, it's it's their spot. <laughs> it's where they go. You know, I don't yeah. have to. I don't. I have. I don't have to ever have to have been to Max to know what Max is. Oh, you, they go there and that's their spot. Like, okay. And one of the things I did want to, I know you kind of brought it up a little bit, but uh, as far as like characters and stuff, but I, I really like the boyfriend because I thought there's many different directions they could go on of they could make him like the douchebag kind of jerk or they could make him kind of the like goofy, but I feel like he's kind of a full-fledged character and a believable character and a lot of his problem that it's, a lot of their problems seem, seem to stem from the fact that he's intimidated by her and how could you not be intimidated by dating a 16 year old girl that's a full on fledged doctor like there's no way you wouldn't be intimidated and no way you wouldn't be like oh she's definitely out of my league yeah I like that they're not ignoring the fact that she's a teenage doctor like that could be something they just never talk about like but it affects her relationships like it affects Walter and like in the last episode it affected how she could go to that dance and if she couldn't like it could be an easy thing for it to be like, oh, she doesn't really struggle that much. She's that good. You know, she's she's a perfect house. Uh, she's a perfect like a daughter. She's a perfect friend. She's also a great doctor. And it's just like she doesn't have any flaws. Make her like a kind of a Mary Sue type character. But I think they're giving her a lot of complexity and she's making mistakes and they're not afraid to have the main character make mistakes and like learn about learn from the mistakes. And they're not afraid to have effects of her decisions. I, I, think, it's, I think it's been a really impressive uh, way to write the character and to adapt something that could easily become like shock and ridiculous and like a one season bad show that we watch one episode of and be like not for us. Yeah, I do have two minor gripes with. Oh no! One minor gripe with this episode: Ronnie Chang had like one scene. I want him not in every Ronnie scene because he's every. I've watched him in Crazy Rich Asians, loved him in that. Watched him in Shang Chi. He was great in that. He's great in Young Rock as the uh, rival uh, wrestling promoter. And the other thing that's more a problem with the show is the guy she's interested in in is like 16 years old and his name is Walter. (laughs) And I feel like people would make fun of him for that, of having a grandpa name. But that's like the tiniest of tiniest of gripes. Look, I mean, she goes by Dewey in the show, so I don't know if she can... Well, Make the people at work, a... the people at work call her Doogie. Her friends and you know whatnot. I don't even know if they re- realize that that's her nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, get some representation. The guys with the weird names, you know. Yeah. Uh, gotta right. give us some love. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to next week. Uh, anything else you want to say about this episode? No, I'm, yeah, definitely looking forward to next week. And I, I think if they keep the quality going, this is going to be one of. Uh, Come to the end of the year, this could be one of my favorite seasons of of Disney Plus for the year. Yeah, definitely agree. All right, I think it's time we move on to uh, the guest star drop of The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. Uh, The show's coming out next year, 2022. 
I don't know about you, but I was a big fan of the original series, and I think this is more just going to be essentially just a kind of a continuation. I don't think they're going to have, it's not like Penny Proud's like all grown up and this is her family now. It's like Penny Proud's still like a middle school, early high school, late elementary, somewhere in there kind of vibe. And just, I think pretty much everyone's coming back. And I think it's more just, Hey, the show's continuing like race. And a lot of the topics are still relevant today. There's stories we can tell with this family. And I think it could be a really great fun show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I don't have as much familiarity with the original show, but I did watch it. It was definitely one that was on a lot when I was a kid. I remember the grandma character and a lot of the the fun characters and some of the moments. Oh, and she's iconic. Yeah, there were some some memorable parts of that and memorable characters. And like you said, it could address themes that are possibly even more relevant today than they were back when the show came out. Things that are at least more socially conscious. You know, people are talking a lot about uh, race and how it and especially race and media and like the presence of black uh, writers and black artists and black characters and how important that can be. So I think bringing this show that was one of the kind of pioneers, at least for me, when I was a kid, I was like a little sheltered white kid in the suburbs, <laughs> you know? So I wasn't, this was like one of the couple times like this in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like those are the shows that like it kind of exposed me to different ideas of like black families and black people. And I think it was uh, a show for me that was kind of, fundamental in that for a lot of people my age i think and i'm excited to see this guest list i'm excited to see the show come back because i think representation is very important for people to get out of their to get out of the kind of tv comfort zones and see more than just like white people in, in their in their tvs <laughs> yeah uh definitely uh yeah, it was a show i definitely watched a lot growing up and i feel like now that i have like more cultural awareness i would i would equate the show if you didn't see it is to like an animated version of the cosby show where it was this black successful family that talked about race problems but being animated they definitely got a little weird with it and wild with it especially if you watched uh the proud family movie uh where peanuts came to life and i'm not talking about charlie brown i'm talking about like george washington carver peanuts uh so yeah, it was definitely uh, interesting, but I got the uh, cast list here. I'm going to put it up and uh, read off some of the more notable names. Yeah, um, give me some good names, Joe. We got Lizzo coming in, Lil Nas X, Chance the Rapper, uh, Normani from Fifth Harmony, Tiffany Haddish, Gabrielle Union, uh, let's see, Jaden Smith, Debbie Allen, Jane Lynch, Courtney B. Vance. He's always great to pop up in a guest star always role. in there yep leslie odom jr anthony anderson al roker brenda song who's an iconic disney disney kid from our generation Classic disney actress eva longoria who i think is going to reprise her role is as uh, la cienega boulevard as his mom holly robinson pete who you might know if you watched the original 21 jump street series uh, and we got gabby D- douglas uh laurie hernandez two uh famous Olympic gymnasts, and then uh, some others were on there as well. But you may, if you saw them on our screen, you may recognize some of the names. I just didn't, so I didn't want to be here reading off names for three minutes. But any names stick out to you? Any names get you excited? Yeah, I like the variety. Like, they have musicians, they have actors. They're really covering, like, the whole gambit of celebrity. <laughs> so I think it's going to be really fun to see how they work all those, all those people. And are they going to be, like, literally themselves showing up, or are some of them going to be themselves some of them are going to be characters i'm really excited to see what they do with it and uh yeah it's going to be a fun watch i'm i'm looking forward to it i think like you mentioned they're starting right 
kind of where it left off essentially i think that's the best direction because you've seen you see shows that aren't animated like boy 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 meets world and that kind of shows of a similar vein of this that try to come back years later full house and it's not the same because it's like the characters are older it's not really the same characters and this it doesn't feel the same and i think they have a unique opportunity as an animated show to just be like yep here we go again right back where we were yeah <laughs> and feel just like it was before i watched a few of these uh to remind myself of the ones that i'd seen and hadn't seen on disney plus the last couple of days and the animation style definitely could use an upgrade so i think it would it would it still looked good and everything but like it could look really good in 2021 style and i think it would really benefit from like a uh an hd version and, and appeal to modern audiences yeah i'm definitely i think you're right i think the guest stars are going to be a mix of of playing themselves as well as playing other people. And yeah, I agree. I haven't checked the show in a while, but I'm definitely going to. I almost feel like as soon as we're done recording, I want to throw on like a random episode. And, yeah, uh, it was a nice nostalgia. Because yep. I was thinking, oh, I haven't seen that much of that. And then I go, I went back and was scrolling through the episodes and I was like, oh, I've seen that one, I've seen that one, I've seen that one. And realizing like, oh, I've seen a lot more than, than I thought I had. So yeah, it's going to be a fun one to have a nostalgia ride through. All right, and... uh it was just a guest star drop. Uh, if one, as soon as the trailer drops or anything, we're definitely going to cover that more. Uh, but I'm super intrigued to watch this show. Uh, I already talked about that Hawkeye trailer that dropped. Yeah, sticking to trailers, Joe. Yeah, speaking of trailers, the Hawkeye trailer We got one that dropped. did drop. <laughs> and uh, I'm definitely more intrigued and excited for the show than I was before the trailer. Not that I wasn't, but I think it was just I really didn't have anything to go off of, and the trailer gave me a tone, it gave me a vibe, it gave me somewhat of a story. And uh, I really liked it. Uh, basically, basically, this uh, whole thing is set around Christmas. Uh, Clint Barton runs into Kate Bishop, played by Haley Steinfeld, and who is a proven archer herself, but a little bit sloppy, and he has to train her, and something goes wrong. And Clint's whole thing is, I gotta get back by Christmas. You know, I can go with you, I can help you out, we can do this mission, but I gotta get back by Christmas. Uh, what did you think about the trailer? Yeah, I'm really uh, enjoying the trailer. I have more context than you, I think, because I've read uh, some of the comics that introduced Haley Seinfeld's character, and I've read, I think, what I can assume is the main inspiration for this storyline, because a lot of the shots in this trailer are literally literally lifted right from the, the panels of, of the comic that I read recently. So I'm, I'm thinking they're going to be basic enough for that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think the Christmas tone and setting is interesting because I wasn't really expecting that at all. So I think the MCU leading into like a holiday theme and a setting is really cool. I, I like, I'd like to see more of that, like kind of unique because that gives them a chance to like really play around with the sets and the production design and make it look a little bit more interesting than just your typical Marvel action movie. And I hope they lean more into the Christmas theme and it's not just like an aesthetic for the trailer. You know, I hope it's like throughout the throughout the series there. Have like Christmas uh theme throughout, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think with that November 24th release date, uh it's definitely going to be heavy Christmas themes because I don't think you do the heavy Christmas theme in the trailer for it to only be like the premiere episode. I think it's going to be I think from episode one to the final episode, it's all going to be Clint Barton saying I need to get home for Christmas. And I do have a prediction about that. I know I told you uh, last time I talked, but it wasn't on air, that I think he doesn't get home for Christmas. I think he's late. I think he rolls in December 26th, 12.01 a.m., and basically he's like, my family is the most important thing in my life. I've saved the, I've saved the universe, essentially. I've 
you know, done everything I can do. And I think it's time I officially retire. I think he maybe goes to S.H.I.E.L.D., maybe deletes some files, burns some files, whatever. But I think at the end of this, it's going to be very clear that Clint Barton is retired. Granted, I usually say this every time someone gets a Disney Plus <laughs> show on the MCU. Uh, but I think this time it'll stick because... Uh, Jimmy Renner is kind of one of the OGs of the MCU, popping up in the original Thor movie. And I, I wouldn't say this could be the end of Jeremy Renner. I could see a situation four or five years from now where a character is on the run and needs to hide out. And he's like, oh, I know where a perfect spot I can go. And we see him roll up to Clint Barton's farm. And, you know, nice big applause moment when we see Hawkeye kind of walk out of the barn and maybe he has like a showdown moment where the villains come up and he has to like fight a group of villains but does he got like a big beard or something too like a big gray beard oh that'd be nice long hair long hair yeah. like down past his shoulders a long beard just taking a long drag of a, off a cigar yep smoking it while he's like shooting the arrow you know you get a close-up of the little little ash coming down yeah. nice nice cinema cinema there that's peak yeah. cinema all right but... any villain i would never but you also know this story better than I because you've read the, like you said, you've read the comic that it's based off of. So any predictions, kind of, any anything you want to add, any thoughts? I'm looking forward to seeing how much, because Disney has said, oh, we're doing Infinity War. And then they take like this snap and a couple of the moments out of Infinity the Infinity Gauntlet arc, but it's like practically not an adaptation. <laughs> yeah. But this, at least from the trailer, seems like it's a bit more of a direct adaptation. Like they're coming, they're, some of the same characters are there and, there are references in the background because in the comic Hawkeye fights, it, there's like this running antagonist that's like a these Russian mobsters that kind of harass Clint on the street outside of his apartment. So there's some references. You can see uh, references to them in the background of the trailer. So I wonder if like they're going to have them in as connective history to the comic. And I definitely think that by the end, Hawkeye is, if not retired, he's at least like stepped away from the action. He's in some kind of like advisory role, you know? And I think... They're going to have Haley Steinfeld essentially be the Hawkeye going forward. Yeah. And I think that she's going to play a big part in the secret, the secret wars and that running storyline. And I, we can't forget that the black widow post credit scene set up that, uh, I can't remember her name. Yelena. character. She's going to be Yelena. somehow tied into this arc somehow. And I'm not totally sure how that fits into the comic book. <laughs> so that's like kind of a, kind of a, wild card into the storyline so i wonder how she's gonna affect the arc that i'm expecting to see i don't want to give away too much of like where it goes but it's it's it's, it's like you know an origin story because this is because uh Haley seinfeld's character is already established by the time this arc happens so it's gonna also be doing her origin story on top of that so it'll be fun to see how they work that all together and also tying it into the larger disney plus universe i'm I know people weren't excited for this, but having read the source material, I'm really excited for this. This has been one of the top shows on my list since it was announced. <laughs> so um, I definitely think this is what people are sleeping on. So I'm excited to talk about it and see people react to the plot as it unfolds. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way of being super excited about it. I think I've been higher on Hawkeye than most people. I, I kind of always like these characters that are regular, average people. I mean, he's obviously more adept and like a better fighter and shooter than the average person but he doesn't have any powers surrounded by basically gods like whether it's your han solo in the star wars universe or batman on the justice league or your hawkeye in 
uh, the Avengers. I've always kind of liked those characters that even though they don't have powers, they're kind of able to be toe-to-toe with everyone else. And so I'm excited for this show to see him more on a street-level type thing. That Ronan uh, segment in Infinity War, or no, Endgame, sorry. And Endgame was one of my favorite parts of that movie. Was yeah, if you're into like... the... If you're into the grounded Hawkeye, I think you'll like this going by the source because that is definitely what I got from it was like, I'll talk about the first like panels or like him, what you think would be essentially like the shot of him in Endgame or I mean, uh, in the first Avengers, like doing a cool Hawkeye diving off the building kind of shot. And then he hits the ground and he like breaks his legs and he has to go to the hospital. And, like the first issue is like <laughs> him at the hospital, getting out of the hospital. It's like, oh, he, he kind of addresses the fact that he's like this human being kind of having to fight alongside of Thor and keep these unimaginable heroes. So exactly what you described is like what the comic is about. <laughs> so if they adapt that, at least that theme, which what they, at least in the adaptations, like they take the core theme and idea of the comic and adapt that. So I think you'll be getting that out of the show. All right, great. And yeah, obviously Haley Steinfeld's in the show, like we said, and we're big Haley Steinfeld fans around here. So uh, it'll be cool to see Can't her. Can't get enough of that. In this show. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about this before we move on to Star Wars Vision or Star Wars Visions preview? No, can't wait for it. It's, it's Halloween still. I, I gotta enjoy that for a little bit before I get yeah. to Christmas. But as soon as it as soon as it ends, I'll be like, "Here comes Hawkeye. Here comes Christmas." Yeah, we still got two months before it comes out. So, well, two months and six days. So, we definitely got time to get hyped for it. Part of me wants to read that comic before I watch the show, but I think I'm gonna keep the surprise by myself because. You've read it, so anytime when we review the show, anytime anything connects to the comic, you can bring it up. It'll be uh, interesting. And I think I'll probably just read it after I finish the show and be like, oh, these were the differences and you know what, whatnot. But I'm ready to talk, talk about uh, our Star Wars Visions uh, preview. And if you're not sure what Star Wars Visions is, basically Lucasfilm reached out to uh, various anime studios and were like, hey, you know, make a 10 to 20 minute Star Wars short story. Don't worry about canon. Don't worry about weaving it into anything else. Just take the themes, the technology, the stories of Star Wars and tell them in however, whatever way you want. And uh, I'll, I had the episodes pulled up here and then I forgot. Uh, but I, I have the episodes right up here if you want me to go through them. All right. Yeah, you go through them because I was not paying attention. I'm gonna have you give me. I'm gonna go through these and then give me some you're looking forward to, and then I have a couple. I have some more information about some of these studios and what they've worked on in the past that has me interested in some of the work here. Right. I mean, yeah. The one I'm my number one that uh, my top of my uh, list is the duel. Yeah, the duel is our first one right here by Kamikaze Doga. Then we've got uh, Lap Ocho by Gino Studio. Then we've got Tatooine Rhapsody. I wonder what that'll be like. Is it gonna is Ray Malik in that one. You know, I want to know is... is Tatooine Rhapsody, crossover? I know, is basically the one of the rock opera of, like, this people in the in the Star Wars universe trying to be a famous rock band. That sounds pretty badass. I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. Then we've got a doubleheader by Trigger. Uh, definitely the biggest studio they have on this list, doing the Twins and the Elder, back-to-back for episode four and five. Uh, then we had the Village Bride from Cinema Citrus. I like the name of that one. <laughs> and then we have Akari. I am not sure how to pronounce a, it. Uh, a Kakiri? A Kakiri. That's probably it. Another, another doubleheader here from Science Saru. They're also doing Toby One, which I could imagine is a droid episode. It is. It's a uh, droid that's been programmed, and his dream is to be a Jedi Knight. Speaking of Jedi Knights, our ninth episode here is called The Ninth Jedi by Production IG. 
Yeah, Joe, which one of these you mentioned you're looking forward the to? Duel the Duel is one I'm really looking forward to. The Elder, uh, I've just seen images from that one, and it's basically like this evil Sith Lord, I think is kind of the main lead of that one. And the Ninth Jedi, I don't really know anything about it, but just the title of Lone, title alone sounds intriguing to me. There's ones that I'm not super into, but that could change my mind, and that's Tatooine Rhapsody. Uh, just like that's not really what I go for in Star Wars, but I could watch the episode and be like, that was great. That was amazing. Same with Toby, like the idea of like, oh, this droid wants to be a Jedi. It's one of those ones where on the surface I could be like, I'm not into that. And I could watch the episode and I'm like sobbing by the end because it's like some sad, depressing story. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited to see where they go with these. Uh, Cause it, it, when you look at the, studios are going for like there's a pretty wide range of studios that they are working with here uh because we have uh, i mentioned that studio trigger is probably one of the biggest ones they're working with because they worked on stuff like kill a kill which is a hugely popular one little witch academia which i liked a lot yeah. that's what we're talking about this i'm gonna throw up and just we're gonna have some stills from various episodes slide across the stream screen yeah. This first one here, uh, I know Tristan can't see it, but that's from Toby. I believe this one is from Lop and Ocho. No idea what this one is, but it's a really cool dark image. Uh, I believe this one might be from the duel, but I'm not sure. We got uh, some other cool images sliding across. But yeah, just keep talking about these studios as these images go across. Yeah, there's a couple that I don't know much about like there's some that have just worked on like animation sequences like i know one of them has done like the introduction sequence for cowboy bebop which is a really effective opening sequence and one that i think is one of the more iconic anime openings uh he also got kamikaze Duga, which has worked on jojo's bizarre adventure a really big anime they think they did the opening for that if i want to uh i think that was who they, they what they worked on for that but that's a really good opening sequence so yeah a lot of these are studios that have worked on shorts so this is perfect fit for Star Wars, whether it's shorts in this form of anime openings or whether it's actual shorts. And there's a lot of these that I've worked on, a lot of uh, stuff that I've even heard of. I'm not a big anime fan, but I at least like follow it from the outside and I watch a handful every year. So there's stuff that I uh, can follow that I know about in here. Studio Colorado is the one working on uh, the, Rhapsody episode, the Rhapsody episode. They've worked on... Uh, burn the witch adaptation which i've heard a lot of good things about so that might be one that kind of pops up out of nowhere and is actually good they've worked on pokemon some of the modern pokemon stuff <laughs> so a lot of weird pulls and i think it shows that disney is bringing in quality stuff like these aren't first time studios you know these aren't people who have barely worked in anime before some of them are less known than others but some of them are like really the genuinely the biggest names in anime right now <laughs> working in star wars and i, I think the freedom of the star wars universe and at least it looks like the freedom of this show is going to allow them to be have a lot of creativity a lot of ambition and i'm excited to see this this is one that kind of came in and out is like oh my i'm looking forward to it kind of i'm not really sure but the more i hear about it the more i see these studios and more i go through the work and say oh i like that one i've heard about that one i like that one i'm looking more and more forward to this unfortunately it drops all at once <laughs> i think it would have been fun to talk about it week to week but they are short, so we can binge them, and that'll be a nice binge. Yeah, I think they're all, like, 10 to 20 minutes long. And like you said, with as far as freedom goes, I think the only character from previous established canon and current canon 
that appears in any of these shorts is I believe Boba Fett appears in one of them as based on the stills that ran across. Uh, do you want to hear some of the reviews that people have tweeted about? Yeah, I'd love to hear some reviews. All right. Uh, first off, we got Andres Cabrera at Squad Leader Ace said, One episode into Star Wars Visions and I'm already losing my mind. Hashtag Visions. Shout out to Ace for sneaking me into Comic-Con one year. That was a good guy. <laughs> hey, you know, everyone's got to be nice to somebody. They want to throw one to the bus. You know, I, I had tickets. He just got me uh, further in line than I was originally in line for Hall H. So uh, thanks, Ace. Uh, I'm sure he's watching. <laughs> uh, next up, we got Star Wars Explained at Star Wars Explained. He says, hashtag Star Wars Visions is cool. It's a mixed bag, which is to be expected. Most of the shorts really work for me. The Ninth Jedi especially is phenomenal. Phenomenal in all caps. I would have watched an entire movie based on that premise. <laughs> Anytime there's anything in Star Wars going on, Star Wars Explained is where I go. Alex and Molly Damon are great and if you're looking for any kind of star wars podcast or a star wars youtube channel and you haven't watched star wars explained that's that's the place i would tell anyone to go and so yeah i, I love star wars explained it's like the perfect fanboy channel you know yeah. they'll give me all the news all the comics all everything that i don't really want to read but yeah. i kind of want to read he'll be like, oh here it all is in like a four minute span and and they it's perfect and they are very good at keep sticking to the facts and anytime they deviate from facts to their opinion they like let you know they're like hey this was my thoughts on this and it's not so much conjecture and speculation and rumors they try to kind of stay away from that and mostly stick to the actual facts of star wars and the news yeah they also do long live streams too with uh, we're not promoting their whole channel today we have i love star wars explained <laughs> well, i wanted to give great, them a shout channel. out not that they need our shout out but um, yeah. yeah i'm sure they're looking for it Alright, next we got uh, Maggie Lovett at uh, Maggie of the Town. says, Star Wars Visions takes the very essence of Star Wars storytelling and elevates it, taking it to places it hasn't gone before. Each story has a unique style, both visually and in the mythos explored. While I love all of them, I have a handful of favorites that I want more of. So yeah, just uh, another one that loves it. I think we got two more reviews. Uh, DJ Woolridge at DJ Talks Trash says, Star Wars Visions captures the raw, weird inventiveness of the original films better than anything since, well, A New Hope. If you're like me and you want to see creators really cut loose to remix the classic Star Wars iconography and themes in new and distinct ways, then strap in. I'm looking forward to it. Those are all really positive tweets. And of course, it's some of them that you'd expect, like Star Wars Explained. If he came out here and it was like, yeah, guys, this one's bad, I'd be like... It's got to be really bad. If Star Wars Explained is saying it's bad, but yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to the run. And like, I like that last tweet because you mentioned like Star Wars as this like creative ambition, like letting artists run wild. And I think that's what I like the most about the original Star Wars film, New Hope, because that was just kind of like these new age, these new artists who like we had George Lucas, you had Steven Spielberg, get all these people who were like kind of, you know, bubbling with artistic energy, just kind of like running loose with this budget and doing crazy stuff and pulling it off and. I, I think that's what this show could, could could potentially be, you know, and I think this even more than the Marvel universe and what if I think this opens up for like really, really wide possibilities because they're even beyond like, you can do whatever you can do lightsabers that spin around in circles and bend around like whips, like <laughs> you can do whatever you want. And I think that's interesting. Just like using the iconography and the look and the, the tone of Star Wars to do whatever you want with yeah. it. Yep. And we got one final review uh, from Eric Davis at Eric Davis says, I watched all of Star Wars Visions and I absolutely loved it. Each short brings its own unique inventive 
in interpretation of Star Wars that enhances and expands upon everything we already know. The visuals are gorgeous, and the storytelling is top-notch. So many crazy lightsaber fights. I'm loving... I can't wait for a lightsaber fights, show. I mean, yep. the animation's going to lend to that, obviously, but I, th- I, I think that it's going to be great, and... I haven't we haven't seen animated lightsaber fights in a while because we Bad Batch doesn't really give us lightsaber fights. Yeah, it hasn't and, been since uh, Rebel or well, I guess season seven of Clone Wars was the final one. And, and I've always loved how crazy the Clone Wars got with their lightsaber battles, and this yep. is probably I'm sure going to get even more crazy. <laughs> so yep. I'm looking forward to and, it. And the last one we got was essentially a motion capture fight because uh, I remember they brought Ray Park into motion capture, so it never could have gotten too crazy because it was would have been Ahsoka versus Maul, which would have been the last one we got. And so, yeah, this one, especially being anime, they can get super wild and super crazy with it. I can't wait. I'm getting more and more excited to talk about it, Joe. You know, yep. it was on my radar, but this conversation has really reminded me why I'm so excited about it. Yep. Uh, I agree. All right. I think that was our last topic for the day. Uh, anything else you want to bring up about Disney Plus? Maybe anything you watched you didn't tell me about? I want to mention that if you're liking Kami Aloha, you might want to check out Diary of a Future President. It's not as good, but it's still it's a similar tone, similar characters, and the premise is essentially that it's this teenage girl who's in like sixth grade or something, and you know, 20 years from now, she's the president of the United States, and on her opening, her like inauguration day, she gets her diary from like middle school, and she's like, oh, this is my old diary, and she kind of reads back uh, her memories, and you get this narration over the course of the episodes and it's, it's really interesting like as she faces hardships and, you, and she feels like oh it's just not going to get better she's not going to move on and you know like it does get better and even though she's struggling with these like small dramas in middle school you know that she's eventually going to overcome it and like become the president <laughs> so it's kind of a cool nice heartfelt story similar to Kame Aloha but a little bit more kid oriented but it at the same time does have jokes that are more adult so I, I think that's in the same a similar vein of Kame Aloha I feel like in that Sounds a lot like Young Rock, which if you haven't watched it, I mean, definitely not a Disney Plus show. It's on NBC, I think, but essentially the same thing of The Rock is running for president, and in doing so, he's telling stories from his childhood, and it cuts back to showing uh, his life at various points. But uh, I think that wraps up our show for the week. Uh, uh, We will be back sometime next week uh, to talk Disney Plus, and without further ado... Uh, goodbye.